Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Our guest this week is the basketball analyst at Rivals.com's Bama Insider. He's Jordan Harper. Jordan, Alabama misses the tournament. They turn around. They lose their first round NIT game against Norfolk State as a 15 to 18 point favorite. Fan morale is low. Greg Byrne has a decision to make. Is Avery Johnson at Alabama next season? I don't see any way he can be, Wesley. <laughs> With the seat already warm before the game, it's scalding hot afterwards. And the one ask, or the one thing that really my mind when I was at the press conferences and listened in on one of the Norfolk State players, he stated something I've never heard before, and that is he felt good about the game before the game by seeing the opposing team just lackluster, lacking energy, and just kind of going through the motions during warm-up. He knew before the game that they had a good shot. And as much as Avery said two days before the game that they're fired up, he sat down, had an individual meeting with each player, making sure their head is in this to go win the NIT and have good showing. And to have that kind of performance just shows that, one, the players don't buy into Avery anymore. They're not responding well to him, not listening to him even. And then, two, Avery can't be – isn't doing something right. It just seems like, I don't want to say it, but I will, that Avery looks like he's given up. You can see that by him coaching on the sidelines, Coach Pelfrey, Coach Petway. They weren't even shocked when Norfolk State made that 15-1 to run midway through the second half. When it seemed like Alabama was going to pull away after the first bucket of the second half to make it a 10-point game. I don't see any possible way that Greg Byrne, with all the mumbling and grumbling of the boosters and the fans about Avery, and to have this kind of ending again in February, losing five of six to end the season, and to lose as a 16-point favorite, I don't see any reasonable way that Avery Johnson will be here next year, whether he's fired or leaves on his own. Hey, Jordan, Brad Canning, thanks for coming on, buddy. You know, talking about Greg Byrne, do you think if Avery's buyout wasn't so high, he would have already made the move, or would he still have let it play out regardless of that buyout? Basically, how much does that buyout play into how things transpired? Well, you know, with the renovations coming up that even got pushed back for the Bryant Denny renovations that are going on in 2021-2022, there's a lot of money being put in the Coleman Coliseum, and to just pay a coach to leave for $6 million, that's a lot of money to go on top of a lot of money that you're already putting in basketball. Alabama has never really put in the money it should for basketball, so the buyout would play a factor, but it's Alabama, so you know that they can come up with the money if they want to. But Greg Byrne kind of made the bed he has to lie in now to pay that buyout. He jumped the ship and gave him a two-year extension after a let's call it a mediocre average season in 2017 when they lost in the first round of NIT too. So if he didn't make that extension, Avery could be out the door right now, no no money paid. But since Greg gave that extension to him prematurely, now he has to face that decision. I mean, there there's a chance that they can mutually agree Avery wants to leave, Greg doesn't want to pay the buyout, so they'll meet in the middle and make the number smaller. Or Avery found another job and he'll leave and they don't have to pay anything. But that buyout does play a factor, and I think he would have probably probably would have been on the hot seat after the second year. It wouldn't have been on it wouldn't have been hot, but it should have been pretty warm with how they finished two years in a row. But since he extended them, the buyout plays a huge huge role in whether they should fire him or not. If he's fired or leaves, who are the realistic options to replace him? Is it as easy as saying Steve Prom is the guy? Well, that's the easy way out just because he's an Alabama grad. 
and he interviewed for the job with Avery Johnson beforehand, which Bill Battle made that decision on who, who they were going to hire. So Greg Byrne really never got to talk to Prohm. Now, that doesn't mean that they haven't talked before or in the meantime, but Steve Prohm is the easy answer to go with. If he's just going to settle for one guy they know they will more than likely get if he calls and Steve Prohm, then I think they're not doing basketball justice. They can go out and ask, I mean, just kick the tires on home run names like Billy Donovan or Fred Hoiberg. Just asking coaches like that that are known winners in the college game and not somebody that is kind of a fallback option that, like Avery was, kind of settled for the hire after getting, let's face it, embarrassed after what Greg Marshall <clears throat> did to Alabama. Now, my short list would be Steve Prohm. If you can get over the baggage, Kelvin Sampson. Third one is Wojciechowski from Marquette. And those are the top three guys that I would call if you call Donovan or Hoiberg first and they shoot you down. Those are three options that you have. I think Wojo at Marquette would be a perfect hire for what Alabama's built to do right now. But Steve Crone will more than likely be the hot name, but I don't think they should just settle for him on the first try. Yeah, that's a great point about Steve. But ultimately, right now at least, he is that hot name. He is the one floating mm-hmm. around and people seem to be keyed on in terms of who they'd like to see there. And, you know, when we look at him, are we getting caught up in Iowa State's run to end the season? Or would Steve Prom definitively, you know, be an upgrade over Avery Johnson? You know, you can't find that out until you do it, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he. He had two pretty good seasons after Hoiberg left with Hoiberg's talent, and then he had a kind of a lull season. I believe he went 13 and 18, and then he wins the Big 12 now with his guys. So who's to say that he not only recruits fairly well, but he also coaches them? That's one thing that Avery lacks. He can obviously recruit with a top-10 class getting Colin Sexton, but you have a lottery pick point guard who is tearing it up in the NBA right now that didn't look – as good as what he did does now than when he was at Alabama. So, and if State Prom can recruit kids to go to Ames, Iowa to play basketball, then surely he can recruit kids to come play in Tuscaloosa, right? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of recruiting, Trendon Watford, five-star power forward from Mountain Brook, Alabama has literally invested years into getting his signature, and the time is nearing for his decision. It's been up and down so far, but where does Alabama stand in the recruitment of Trendon Watford, and how much is the is the Avery Johnson decision going to impact that? Well, Trendon's been a hot topic for, like you said, several years on if he was going to sign with Alabama, because Alabama has a tendency to let top recruits um, like Boogie Cousins leave and go flourish at a, at a bigger school. And unfortunately, that's what it's looking like right now with Duke coming into the picture late. They really like what he, they saw in him, and they feel like they're going to miss on a couple other higher-ranked guys. So they haven't offered yet, but I'm expecting an offer to come within the week or two before signing day. And it sounds like he's going to sign at the Jordan Classic game in April. So I could see a Duke offer coming, and, and then he's got a decision to make. And Avery is the driving point right now for Trendon Watford because he's been recruiting him for the four years. Trendon really likes Avery, said he has the best relationship with Avery and Pat. I mean, if Avery gets fired, I don't see Alabama landing Watford unless they do what some people are insinuating, and that's hiring somebody like Bucky McMillan, who is his high school coach at Mountain Brook, to be an assistant coach. Say if Steve Prohm or whoever gets hired decides to hire him, then I can see Trendon coming to Alabama. But if Avery leaves, quite honestly, that's the only way I see Trendon coming because he has stated multiple times he's a winner and he wants to go to a winning program and that's going to show them they're committed to winning. And right now, Alabama's not showing it unless they, you know, make a big change. 
So switching gears here, transfers have become the new norm in college basketball. Wes and I have kind of talked already, and you know we expect Alabama's probably going to have at least one. Have you heard of any specific players that may try to look around now that the season is over? Yes, I have. Um, the number one name that people are kind of talking about and that, that I've heard that will more than likely transfer at the end of the year is Dazon Ingram. You can just tell at the end of the season from December on, his attitude has just been poor. His hustle hasn't been there like it normally is. He just looks disinterested. And I I can see frustration in his actions and his body language. So I I have heard multiple times that Dazon Ingram will transfer in the offseason, probably somewhere like South Alabama to get closer to where he's from. And another name that I could see leaving is Daniel Giddens. You know, he he transferred in after his freshman year at Ohio State where he did really didn't play much and he came here and he he still hasn't played much he's been in foul trouble can't show that he can stay out of foul trouble and that has frustrated him as well and his lack of playing time here will likely force him to transfer since he has already graduated and seek a grad transfer role just like based on now outside of that it may depend on the coaching hire something a lot of people may not have known is steve prom actually recruited kyra lewis um, to Iowa State. It actually came down to Alabama and Iowa State at the end of his recruitment, and Steve Prohm is familiar with Alex Reese as well, recruited him to Murray State when he was the head coach there. So outside of Dazon and Daniel Giddens, I don't I don't see any more movement just due to their classification, and they would have to sit out a year, which I don't see any of, any of those players be willing to do. So let's stick to players here, and I wanted to get your thoughts on how does Alabama look to replace Dante Hall? Is there you know, going to be somebody on the roster that may be capable, or would you expect Alabama to look for someone as a grad transfer? You know, we never got to see Javion Fleming. He's a big kid. I believe he's about 235, 240. He's got, got a big frame. He's not a high flyer as Dante is, but he has good foot above-average footwork for um, a low-post player in college. I had a scout tell me when he came out of high school that he has the best low-post presence and uh, footwork when he came out of high school among the big men. Unfortunately, due to injury, he sat out the whole year, probably get a medical red shirt. He could fill that role, but I really liked what I saw from Galen Smith in the SEC tournament. He's a guy that I have high hopes for to replace Dante. He won't bring the energy like Dante did, but he supplants his, himself and posts up as low as anybody as I've seen in recent years to play for Alabama. He widens his stance, gets really low, and he gets the ball really deep, but he just he doesn't have a sense of urgency to put the ball up. There's multiple times in the SEC tournament where if he would have just drop-stepped and turned, he had a wide-open layup. But instead, he took his time and did a little dribble and a pivoted looked for a pass, pump fake, whatever. He he didn't have a sense of urgency. If he can get a good low post awareness about him, I think he could be a very good, I would say about a 10-11 point player with about 7 or 8 rebounds a game. And that's about where Dante Hall was stat-wise. It's just his defensive presence is what's going to be missed the most. And I don't think that can be, re- be replaced being a rim protector. Yeah, you kind of brought up the facility upgrades at Coleman earlier. I've heard rumors that the new tax laws could end up putting a strain on some of the proposed upgrades. Uh, people are a little more reluctant mm-hmm. to, to donate to universities now than they were before. Is everything still a go there? Is that is there a clear path for that? And are they scheduled to start in 2021? Yeah, 
Yeah, there, I talked to somebody the other day that 2021 is the expected start date. Sounds like a full gut of Coleman Coliseum, and you've seen the pictures like I have. It, look, it looks like a fun environment, and hopefully it's an environment that will draw recruits and to bring fans in. But in terms of the timeline of it, 2021 is the expected start date. And I, unless there's a dramatic change, I don't see any change in that. Yeah, we've we've all been screaming for a new basketball facility for years. Do you think that that makes a definitive difference for the program once it's finished? Yes, it just enhances the atmosphere. I mean, anybody that's been to a basketball game at Coleman, it, it's so large that you're far away from the court. The student sections aren't – they're all in one little section. And if they can just stretch it out and make the students go along the court similar to what Duke or Auburn or a place like that does, it would enhance that form of, of atmosphere, look better on TV, and they'll just bring more fans to the games because they're closer to the action. I mean, it, Coleman's like an airport hangar. It's just <laughs> – just dull it, it's not pretty it's kind of dark i mean I, i've never really enjoyed watching games in there but i'm hoping that this renovation will enhance that and make it more fun for the fans and more fun for the players to, to play in well finally jordan i want to put you on the spot here and you have to give us an answer oh no who is going to be alabama's basketball coach for next year yeah you are putting me on the spot on that one <laughs> i'm not gonna old takes expose well, you if it's wrong but as of today oh yeah you will you'll you'll forward that the freezing cold takes right after this i promise if i had to make a prediction right now i would say that steve prom will be your head coach at alabama next season you know when there's smoke there's fire and i started hearing rumblings you know once the cleveland cavaliers um, report came out that Avery was putting feelers out that Feinbaum said, putting feelers out in the NBA. I started hearing a little talk there. Didn't hear anything about prom then. I started hearing the prom stuff when, in Nashville when I was having people telling me um, different things about that. And between six and seven people, I, I want to say six of them told me Steve Prom. The hot name. I hate to go with what everybody's saying, but when six or seven people telling me that, I mean, it's got to hold a little little validity to it. Apparently, the boosters like him for being um, a member of the, you know, member of Alabama basketball as a, a student assistant and a manager. So, if you're gonna put me on the spot and everything happens the way I anticipate, I'm gonna say Steve Prom will be your Alabama head basketball coach next season. All right, he's Jordan Harper. Check him out on BamaInsider.com. Jordan, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, Wendy. Hey, we, we really do appreciate it, man. Anytime. Yeah, we, we will probably have you on as soon as we hire a new coach, if that's cool. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, right. no problem there. All right, Brad, per Cecil Hurt, Norfolk State is the lowest-ranked team to beat Alabama since Ken Palm became rankings in 2002. Norfolk State was ranked 265th in the nation. The only other team ranked past 200 to beat Alabama was Mercer in 2009. That was legitimately one of the worst losses in Alabama <laughs> basketball history. Is there a, a sign in Coleman Coliseum we have to reset to zero now, you know, like this many days since the last work injury? Do we have this many days since the last worst loss you could ever have? Man, what a f- – it's fitting in terms of how this season has gone. And this is – it was about as Edgar Allan Poe of an ending you could draw up. <laughs> Uh, Jordan brought up the quote from the Norfolk State player. The exact quote was from forward Stephen Whitley post-game. He said, quote, We saw in warm-ups that it was going to be sweet the way they were lagging around. End quote. What, what a quote. 
God. Does that not just sum sum the season up right there? Like that's the perfect ending to this season. That a, a kid that plays for Norfolk State said, "Yeah, well, I knew this was going to be sweet pre-game when everybody was lagging around, and we knew they didn't want to be here." I'm not an, an expert at reading body language. <laughs> But I wasn't trying to look for it, but it was hard not to see throughout the game tonight either, especially the shots of Avery on the sideline at times. But to have a quote like that from the opposing team who you were, you know, anywhere from a 15 to an 18 point favorite, that's just I I really don't know how to you know, put that into words other than just what it is. I mean, it's flat out embarrassing and it's like a cherry on top. You told me before we started recording, you almost would have felt embarrassed celebrating a win. Yeah, I mean, if we would have pulled that out at the end in overtime, I would have felt disgusting as hell <laughs> celebrating that victory. I mean, it, it really, I mean, how can you be truly happy about that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's just how I feel. You guys got my ad on Twitter. You can tell me I'm an idiot, but, I mean, I already do that enough. So, um, But, I mean, really, would you would you have felt that way? Would you have felt, you know, a little guilty for celebrating that because of everything throughout the game? Or would you have just been happy? Okay, great. Let's move on to Colorado. Look, I, I always want them to win. I, I legitimately do. I always want to win. Had they won, I'd have been cheering for them against Colorado. But I am very, very happy that this season is over. It's like we, <laughs> yeah. we have, we've been given the, the old yeller treatment. You just put, we've been put out of our misery. Everybody can move on. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I tweeted, you know, once, what was that, that horrible back-to-back transition close to the end of regulation for Alabama. You know, I said, somebody just got to take us out back behind the shed and put us down. (laughs) I mean, this is just, God. So Alabama misses the tournament with what I think, and I could could be off base here, but I I have a a little research to back my claim. What I think is the top 25 talented roster. I've gotten some pushback when I've said that before, but when you break it down on paper by individual, it's hard to argue. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you individuals and their history, Brad. Okay. And we're gonna put this all together at the end. Riley Norris. Riley was a priority recruit for Billy Donovan at Florida. He was top 100. He had a ton of offers, but his recruitment came down to Alabama and Florida. He chose Alabama over Billy Donovan. John Calipari wanted John Petty. I don't know if you remember. He flew down like two weeks before signing mm-hmm. day, and he flew down to John Petty's hometown. He went out to eat with the parents. Uh, Petty was a McDonald's All-American, top 35 player in the nation, offers from Kentucky and Kansas. Kyra Lewis, another fringe five-star, would have been a McDonald's All-American had he not enrolled a year early. Kentucky wanted to offer him. They didn't have a spot a year in advance for him to enroll early there. Kansas, Louisville, Yukon, Indiana, Tennessee, LSU, all offered. Herb Jones, was literally on NBA mock drafts coming into the season. I mean, how could you? How can you have watched Herb Jones play basketball this year and, and know that he was on mock drafts, like potential, yeah. <laughs> potentially a lottery pick? And he regressed <laughs> from year one to year two to the point where offensively he became a liability. Jordan brought up Alex Reese. Alex was a top 100 recruit. He had Kansas, Kansas State, Auburn, Tennessee offers. Iowa State as well, as Jordan mentioned. He went for 14 straight on Wednesday night against Norfolk State. Uh, He couldn't even get on the court at the end of the season for some games. Tevin Mack, he was flirting with top 50 in the country during his cycle. He was the leading scorer at Texas his freshman year before he transferred to Alabama. Dante Hall, one of the better big men in the league his last couple seasons. He's also popped up on some second-round mock drafts through his junior year. Daniel Giddens, lastly, Daniel Giddens, who may be the biggest mystery of them all. Top 50 player in the country coming in. Thad Mata signs him. Louisville, Kansas, Indiana, 
Florida, they all want him. He's 6'11". He got a little bit of time at Ohio State his freshman season, transfers to Alabama, basically doesn't play throughout the season. How do you have that collection of guys with those collection of offers and that amount of talent and you get dropped in the first round of the NIT to Norfolk State? Yeah, and it's not like that game is is just the tell all either. It's it's been throughout the entire season, and sort of like we talked about two weeks ago, just Avery's biggest issue, and that's the legitimate hit or miss development of guys. And also, it's you know the way he uses these guys too, and substitution and everything. It's just the in game coaching is it just leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, you brought up rotation. Eleven men in a rotation for a game is not a way to win a basketball game. I realize that you, you may have to keep some guys happy here and there, but at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for your for your team and for your program. And playing 11 guys in a night is not it. Unless you're, unless you're like West Virginia and you're pressing all game. <laughs> or you're yeah. like 2015 Kentucky and you have 12 McDonald's All-Americans who are all <laughs> yeah. going first round and you're just like, hey, here's lineup one, here's lineup two. Guess what? Alabama does not have that. Exactly. Um, and, yeah. you know, not to – not to be do a obvious pun here when I say uh, at least there was one shining moment uh, tonight. <laughs> and, you know, that's Alex Reese. I mean, I guess if we're taking anything away from it, it's there is a potential there for whoever is the coach next year in terms of what Alex could possibly do if he's not tied to the damn chair on the side of the court throughout most of the games in the season. Yeah. There are a lot of guys like Alex on this roster who have potential. I'm really excited to see Kyra Lewis from year one to year two. You know, mm-hmm. next year should be his freshman year, but he's going to have that full year of experience under his belt, and I'm expecting a lot from him, which we can get into the future, I think, once Alabama hires a new basketball coach or if they announce that they are keeping Avery. One of the two things is going to have to happen. We will record a show once one of those two things happen. But uh, there are rumors floating around, most notably from Lars Anderson, that Fred Hoiberg will be the next coach at Nebraska. Okay, so, so riddle me this, Brad. If you are Greg Byrne and you hear that Fred Hoiberg, one, is willing to get back into the college game at all, and two, is willing to coach at Nebraska, like Nebraska ball is not – exactly north carolina okay so yeah. if, you, if you know those two things aren't you on the phone with him or his agent at the very least putting out a filler like if i'm burned i'm asking what does it take to get you to tuscaloosa like i'm selling the new facilities i'll move the start date up on them if i need to uh i'm finding a way to get avery's buyout paid i'm literally showing fred hoiberg i will do absolutely whatever it takes to get you here and, and the same applies to chris beard at texas tech beards reached the point now where it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to have success wherever he goes i don't know how realistic like two guys like that would be but i'm at least showing them i will do whatever it is that you need me to do to sign you as the basketball coach at alabama yeah, it's going to be kind of a broad answer here, but but stick with me. Um, okay. In terms of Nebraska, they have not even fired their current coach yet. <laughs> and today is not the first day that the negotiations or the reaching out feelers has been going on with Hoiberg. So what, why are we late to the damn party when the signs have been there for weeks now that even if you're close to 25% going to make a move, not even 50-50, 
you know, you should already have a list and reaching out to those people. Not when all of a sudden your back's against the wall and, you know, you've been pro- pro- procrastinating. Now, I'm, Greg Burns already shown he doesn't do that. I'm just using this as an example. And then the other thing is, too, I think what's going to come into play and kind of eliminate some of these coaches that we'd like to get is the situation with the facilities and the upgrades and everything. If Alabama is not willing to tweak the timeline or, you know, the blueprints, whatever – that a big time hire would want them to do that's going to rule out some of these potential candidates yeah i mean i think if you're going full remodel like they're doing uh if if a guy like hoiberg is like hey do, do something if he wants a small change or whatever i don't i highly doubt that would be an issue alabama's lucky in the sense that they do have steve prome in their back pocket you can kind of keep him there if you're greg Byrne and you're willing to give avery another season uh, to try to keep the roster together or sign Trenton Watford and add with those guys, you always know at worst you can make Steve Prome happen. Like where timing may be important and you have to make a move now for Hoiberg or Beard or, or the couple guys that Jordan mentioned, timing is probably not that big of a deal for Steve Prome if you're comfortable hiring him. No, I think, you know, deep down, he'd like the opportunity for sure. It'd be tough for him to say no. But at the same time, if we're being realistic, Ames is filling up every game. And Ames right now is a pretty damn good job to have. It is. You look at Tuscaloosa and the dumpster fire it's apparent to be. Yes, it's going to bring some excitement and everything, but I don't even know if you could call it a lateral move as of today if he took it. We should hear something any day now as far as Avery's future goes at Alabama. I would imagine Greg Byrne is going to release a statement or you'll hear that Avery's fired. We will definitely be recording a podcast. We'll probably have Jordan back on once that decision is made, regardless of what it is. So look out for that. This has been the Roll Bets. Before we go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. You're not getting away that easy. So I'm going to put you on the spot, too. So who's going to be, as of today, who's going to be our head coach next season? I mean, I feel like Prome is the easy, the easy answer, like the easy way out. It, it seems so obvious, especially with him going on this little run in the season. Look, they just won the Big 12 tournament, and they're a team going into the tournament kind of in those, that mid-range, those mid-range lines that I would not want to play. I'd probably least yeah. want to play. Uh, they're right there with like Cincinnati and those, mid, those mid-range teams that I would want to avoid at all costs. Uh, well, it's like you said, too. Look at the success he's having now that he's gotten his guys in there and developing yeah. them. What have we been missing? And that is th- that is the biggest thing we need. And, I, you know, I've been hearing from for over a week now, and I think it's legitimate in terms of the last few days. And Jordan, you know, has been on top of this well before anyone else, for the most part, that I know. Mm-hmm. So, to me, he made a great point with the analogy where there's smoke there's fire uh and i do believe if a move is going to be made it's probably going to be steve from that's going to take the job but we don't know yet if you guys have an option you'd like to you know see in tuscaloosa outside of just avery gone let us know <laughs> you know who you think is going to take the job if that move does happen all right well, this has been the roll bama roll podcast roll todd